Tech Talk with Matthew Dickerson. Matthew Dickerson. Tech, 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 tech talk. Tech, 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 tech talk. Sit back and relax. It's time to talk technology. Welcome again, folks, to another Tech Talk session with Matthew Dickerson. I'm your host, James Eddy, and we've got another smorgasbord of tantalising tech tidbits for you today. G'day, Matt. I'm shattered this week, James. Last week I was the prophet. Now you've dropped the prophet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're our pundit. You're our guru. You're our everything. Let's kick off with a fun story about those people who've gotten lost in their phones as they walk along the street and smash themselves into a light or fallen into Sydney Harbour or whatever. Apparently, there's a, a new Apple app to help us out. Is that right? Uh, well, no, it's actually from Android. Oh, sorry, Android. My apologies. Yeah, that's right. But it does remind me there was a, a very funny parody clip that was done by a comedian named Rick Mercer, and I reckon it was probably maybe 12 years ago when BlackBerry threw all the go, and he put this little funny ad out that had the new BlackBerry helmet, and it was a helmet you put on so that you could just keep your head down, looking at your BlackBerry, and smashing everything. Exactly right. Walked <laughs> into pot plants. Walked, it was a very funny ad, and and I thought, yeah, that's pretty funny, but it won't happen in the real world. But now. I think that's what we see when we walk around the streets. We see people with their heads down walking out onto the streets or walking into people. And so Android has got a new feature. It's part of their digital well-being service. And so if it detects that you've got your head down looking at the phone while you're walking along, then it gives you some alerts on your screen like, heads up, watch where you step, look up. <laughs> it just seems crazy to me that we could have a phone tell us that we need to look around. That's so what you, can, you, can, you can spend like literally hours watching people, like you can watch a video of people walking into stuff uh, while they look on their phones if you wanted to. Um, and so all that fun's going to be kicked out now. That's right, so you won't be able to watch those videos anymore. <laughs> and so, uh, find myself doing something else with my life. Is that what you're telling me? I think so. Cats. There's always cats yeah, on cats, the internet. Okay, so go you can go that. But, it, but it is interesting that we've got all these services, I mean, this is called digital well-being, but all these services that remind us that we've had too much time on the phone today or looking at the phone while we walk around or did we get enough sleep last night? It really seems to be that we've forgotten how to be humans and we're relying on the technology to replace all. Am I sounding old, James? Yeah, well, it's just funny that we need to be reminded of that. But we do. We definitely do. This, we do. There is a definite market for this particular piece of software. Obviously, and, and Google, with their Android operating system, wouldn't go and do this so they didn't think people needed it. Yeah, amazing. Mm. Yeah, an, an urgent need for those. Policing ourselves with phone use, um, just one thing. As a parent, I know that we all struggle to manage our kids and policing our kids on their devices. Apparently, Optus has got a solution for us. Is that right? I don't mind this solution, actually. I used to have a really crude solution many years ago when my kids were at home playing PlayStations, Xboxes. If they had a proprietary power supply, for example, I'd just take that power supply to work with me and they couldn't play for the day. It's a pretty crude sort of solution, I know. (laughs) But Optus has come up with something a bit cleverer and it's called Optus Pause. And one of the things that kids are really good at is if you turn off the Wi-Fi router, for example, they'll use mobile data to get on. So they're, they're always getting ways to get around it, which is good. It's a good challenge for them. But the Optus Pause solution means that the device itself is disabled, whether it be via Wi-Fi or whether it be via 4G, for example. And the pause, as the name suggests, is a certain period of time, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes maybe. So the idea is that, hey, Johnny, you're, you're playing up. I want you to come and help clean up the kitchen. Your internet's gone for the next 30 minutes. So there's no point Getting now you've the got my attention, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. So I might as well go and clean up the kitchen and keep mum and dad happy because I can't play on my phone anyway. It will still be able to be used for phone calls and text messages. So in an emergency situation, you can still use your phone if you're out somewhere and mum and dad pause the phone. 
but it's not able to be used to access the internet no matter what method you use to access the internet. And that sounds like a challenge to all the kids out there that might have this inflicted upon them. That's right. So so now we're building that bigger mousetrap again. That's it. <laughs> right. I hope they've got an option for actually getting the kids to do the washing up, though. So that's that's probably the next thing for you them. You thinking electric shock treatment, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just wonder what we get past, uh, yeah, the World Health Authority um, and um, uh, the United Nations. That's right. Uh, now... Um, the next story here is is a little bit more important. Well, very important. It's vital, folks. Um, I will often lose my keys. <laughs> uh, folks, if you keep leaving your keys somewhere but just can't remember where, then you might need this new feature from Apple. Yeah, now this one is from Apple, and I always rely or used to rely on Apple being an innovator, leading the market, and some of the things they've done over the years, just with their PCs, even with their, their iPhone, a whole range of things. Think of iPods and the whole music industry change. But in this example, Apple's kind of dragging the chain. They've been talking about doing this for a long time, and they're finally actually going to do it. There's been the Find My feature in Apple or with Apple for a long time now where you've been able to find Apple devices your iPad, your iPhone, your, your Mac even, but that doesn't help you much with your keys if you lose your keys. That's right, yeah. 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 And, and Tile was the first one, and I think probably still the biggest, that came out with the whole idea of a Bluetooth tracking device. There was a Christmas, I don't know, probably six years ago, where I bought all my kids and my wife a bunch of tiles to put on their keys or teddy bears or wallets or a whole bunch of things. I don't know they thought it was the most exciting Christmas present ever, but I love the technology there. So the tile has been around for a while, and the tile relies on, on Bluetooth. So if you lose your phone, sorry, your keys while you're near your phone, so at home, for example, maybe at work, that's okay. But if you were out for a run this morning and you lost your keys, and then you get home and go, oh, no, where are my keys? Well, it's not so good. Your phone can show you the last place those keys were. That's fine. So you've got a bit of an idea where they are. And Tile uses the Tile community to try and help you find your keys. So if someone else using the Tile app is near your keys, it will actually pick up where those keys are. Oh, wow. Fantastic. But the huge advantage that Apple has is that Tile probably has about 10 million users across the world. Fantastic. Apple officially passed the 1 billion active oh, iPhone course, mark right. about a year ago. They've got 1.65 billion devices, iPhones, Macs. Uh, 1.5 billion employees working for them to help you find your keys. <laughs> Basically. So it means that if you do lose your keys when you're out on a run, there's a pretty good chance someone else out on a run, out in the same area that you're on, is going to have some sort of iDevice, iPhone, let's call it. And so as long as they're near it, then the same Bluetooth tracking technology that Tile uses now being used by Apple with some devices coming out, but it uses the Apple ecosystem to and help so you find it. So now you can breathe a bit easier when you go to the beach... And you've got all that sand, and it could be anywhere in that sand. Who needs a metal detector? That's right. You just go to your – and it'll use the same concept. It'll, it'll be Find My, but it'll be Find My, and there'll be third-party apps. So the big news here is that Apple eventually, or now, is, is getting to that point where they're finally they're going to allow other companies to license that, that third-party process of the Find My process. So you'll have a, a key ring tracker. You'll have some, I don't know, headphones, whatever it might be. And instead of having a separate app to use for it, it'll just use the Find My app. So basically, Find My will help you find your iPhone, your iPad, and other keys that Apple allow to license into there. Wow. Yeah. So, so that big network of iPhones out there, that'll help you find your keys next time you lose them. I'm also going to need an app to remind me why I just walked into the kitchen, though. Um, and so the challenge has been set to you, Apple. Get onto it. <laughs> We've got too many gadgets these days, so this next upgrade is one my 14-year-old son is going to love. 
apparently, if you like Xboxes and if you like cold drinks, we've got something for them. Well, we have, and it's because Microsoft got panned severely when they brought out the new Xbox, and people said it looks ugly. I don't know why the look of a device is so important. You want it to play well, but... Often it, sits in a cupboard, doesn't it? Well, yeah. often you don't even see it. That's yeah. right. But it looked like a fridge, is what a lot of people said. It's ugly. It looks like a, a chunky fridge. Who would want to buy that and play on it? So Microsoft jumped on that. And there's a little fun thing in, in America called March Madness where they do this little competition. And it, they jumped onto this and said, if Microsoft wins the marketing category and Skittles and Microsoft got down to the two finalists, then the, the Microsoft marketing manager said, all you people out there think the Xbox looks like a fridge? We're going to build an Xbox fridge. <laughs> so they beat Skittles. They, they came out as number one in this little competition. And so they're going to build a fridge that looks exactly the same as an Xbox. So <laughs> who knew we needed that? But apparently we needed that. So it's a clever little marketing ploy from Microsoft. Again, I think they'll probably be pretty hard to get hold of. The Xbox is hard enough to get hold of with Chippergeddon that we've spoken about before. But getting one of these fridges, I think there'll be a limited run of those. There'll be a clever bit of marketing and everyone will talk about them and then they'll just use their normal fridge anyway. Well, I can see the queues running all the way through Martin Place in Sydney uh, with a lineup to pick up those, I think. That's right, when, when the Microsoft Store has their, their first release <laughs> of the Xbox fridge. As they will be for the Tesla Cybertruck, I guess. Uh, what's this about a new Cyberlander? Well, the Cybertruck has been talked about a bit and a fair bit of hype around that. Other companies have, have jumped on that hype and said, you know what, we can actually build something that will be an accessory to the Cybertruck and, and make a few dollars out of that. So the Cybertruck obviously is going to be used by people who want to get outdoors, they might tow something, they've got the back of the ute to throw their fishing gear in or their barbecue gear. Cyberlander has decided that maybe people who go out camping with the Cybertruck want a bit more luxury. So it's a device that fits into the back of the ute part of the, the Cybertruck and it's basically a, a camper that, that expands out. So you drive along, you get to where you're going, it expands out, but it's luxury on overdrive. So the, the, the <laughs> so Tesla's all over this adventure market, right? Well, and this isn't put out by Tesla, but, but oh, right. certainly Tesla will be over the adventure market. But this is a, another company who said, you know what? We can jump on the back of the popularity of a Tesla and the Cybertruck and go and build another device that fits into it. So not licensed by Tesla, not officially endorsed by Tesla. But they're jumping on the back, of, literally jumping on the back literally. of the Cybertruck. <laughs> yeah, boom, boom. <laughs> so what it does is it basically retracts down. And so it's just a nice compact unit in the back of the, the ute when you're driving around. But then when you get somewhere, it expands out. It's basically got an induction stove, which is what you need when you're out camping, of course. It's got a sink. It's got a fridge, a toilet, a shower. Of course, all of course, into of this. course, yeah. It's got two chairs that sit there and recline for your 32-inch screen that you've got on the wall to play games or do your video conferencing with while you're working very hard. And then they spin around and become a double mattress to be able to sleep in at night. So it sounds like a fantastic concept. Pretty expensive. Actually, advertisers more expensive than the lowest base model of the Cybertruck. So about 50 grand US you'll pay for this add-on to the Cybertruck. Yeah, right. Wow. Add 600 kilos to the Cybertruck. So the, the Cybertruck's fairly heavy anyway, but it'll add a bit of weight to it. So probably reduce your range a little bit but if you're going out for weekend camping who cares you've got a retractable house basically <laughs> in the back of your cyber truck there you go oh goodness me segways right they, they were those were they 20 years on the market um they've been out and about and for yeah i'm not sure actually but they've yeah. been around for a while so those big tall things that you stand up on and you you lean to go forward and they've, they've got the the two wheels that are sort of side by side, yeah. um, and you lean to go forward, you lean to the left, you go turn left, you lean to the right, you turn right, lean backwards, you go backwards. Um, 
Segway's now broadening their market a little bit, and they're um, they're going back into the old traditional motorbikes. Is that right? Yeah, they, they, and I look, I love the Segways. The, the technology in a Segway is absolutely brilliant for something to be self balancing like that. They're they're a lot of fun to ride, and they're a bit weird actually when you ride them. But but fantastic. Segways have started making scooters, and they've been doing that for a little while. But now they're moving into motorbikes, and again, you expect Segway not to just build a normal traditional basic old motorbike. So the pictures of it look like something that would be I'd almost describe it as a Tron motorbike. A bike, so it's got a pretty groovy look about it. But I love the sound of that. <laughs> I gotta say, Tron was a favorite movie of mine from yeah, back right. in the 80s, yeah, and yeah. even the remake. Yeah, and yeah that's keep what it going. Looks like. It looks like a sort of a Tron motorbike. So I'm not sure if the images really reflect how the, the physical motorbike will look, but it actually is a hydrogen powered motorbike. So forget some of these motorbikes of a zero that are EV powered. This is actually hydrogen powered. Uh, pretty impressive specs 80 horsepower, top speed of 90 mile an hour. American excuse the, the miles per hour part of it. Um, but again, pretty reasonable in terms of price. About 10 grand they're advertising it for wow. with the exchange rate to have a hydrogen powered motorbike. Now, if it's hydrogen powered, effectively hydrogen powered vehicles are electric powered without the battery. They're mm. using hydrogen to produce the electricity. So the acceleration will be fantastic, just the same as an electric motorbike or electric car. So that sounds pretty exciting. But even the steering system, when you look at the pictures of it, it is a bit like a Tron motorbike because the steering system is almost hidden. So how they're going to build it, how they're going to make it work, hydrogen wow. and all of this sounds fantastic. But Segway, I've got a lot of confidence in Segway producing what they promise. So I'm looking forward to this. That is going to be fantastic. You'll have to keep us posted there. Absolutely. All right, now changing tack here. Changing passwords has got to be one of my big frustrations, I've got to say. What are the trends in password setting these days? Well, one of the things that people are doing, they finally learnt, mostly, there's still a few examples out there that one, two, three, four, five, six, or the word password, maybe they're not the best But you password. get into trouble for having those sorts of passwords. They're now biting back at you and saying, don't use that one. That's right. And, and that's a good thing because people still are a bit lazy and if you could get away with them, they'd probably still use them. But there's too many examples where that's been used to compromise data. So you're right. Most of the time, please put an exclamation mark in, please put another character, please put something else in that's going to make it not so easy. So people are turning to their pets and not asking their pets for a password. They might get meow or <laughs> roof or, or something like that. Yeah. that they're, they're actually turning to their cheap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're, they're actually turning to their pets for their pets' names. But again, this isn't a great idea. But there was a recent survey that was done that about 15% of people are using their pets' names. But of course, the problem here is that rather than a brute force attack, so a brute force attack is where a computer will just go through and try every combination of every letter and number. So it'll start with one character and then start to build up and basically trying all those different combinations. That's a brute yeah, force attack. Right. That takes a bit of computing power and takes a bit of time. But a trial and error attack is used where someone knows a bit of information about you. So, for example, they look on Facebook, they see that James has got a pet named Rover. Huh. I might try Rover as a password. Oh, what do you know? Rover as a password. Wacko. Straight yeah, away yeah. we're into it. So this is the sort of problem that we're getting now with people are using their pets' names or using other people in their family. 14% of people are using other family members as their password. So again, you've you really just got to be very careful about this. People are doing it out there. People are being compromised and then going, oh no, all this is terrible. Why didn't someone tell me that this was a bad idea? So so this is reasonably new, that people are, are changing to their pets and whatnot and using, are still using full words. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and what, what I would advise, of course, is just make up a word, make up a combination of characters, throw a, another couple of characters in there. So for example, if you said red pants tree as a word it's not a real word it's using some words that you can remember as a human but then replace a couple of those characters so my favorite to play replacing things like uh, the letter a with an at sign the letter l with an exclamation mark so a human can still recognize it so if you have the word pants but it's p 
at sign NTS. You can still remember that as a human, you're clever enough to do that. But if someone's trying to do a, a trial and error technique, then they're not going to use those sort of characters. So it's a tough gig out there. You're right, it you've is. got different passwords and they keep asking you to change them. And I also advise against using the same password across everything. But if you're going to do that, at the very minimum, use a different password for your email password because that's the, that's the holy grail. If you can get the email password, then often you can reset other passwords yeah. by emails being sent to you. Oh, so goodness it's a complicated me. world out there. It is. Two-factor two authentication is another issue that people, I recommend to use it, but it just makes it more complicated for people. But yeah, if you don't want people to get your information, then using this well, combination. I was, I was given a tip once, and it was um, to think of a sentence, and you just take letters in that sentence um, not spelling out words at all, but yep. taking letters from that sentence yep. uh, with characters. Maybe there's numbers in there. Maybe there's, you know, at symbols or whatever. Yep. And you make your password from that. And so maybe something like how you remember the planets. My very yeah. early mother just saw Uncle Ned pass. Mnemonics and things, yeah. yeah. Something like that. And then taking those, those first characters of the planets. Yeah, it's not a bad one. I, I don't yeah. mind that one. So whatever you do, try and do something that works for you you can remember, but not making it a word that's familiar with you, anything that's to do with you, the street where you live, your date of birth, all those things. It's just something you just got to get to the habit of, of doing something random and making it a bit harder for people. And it's probably not going to change that whole 90-day cycle where you've got to go back and find a brand new password. Yeah, that's right. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. One for the music buffs now. Uh, you're going to be particularly interested in this if you like guitars. So uh, some people want to buy a new guitar, but they don't want it looking brand new. It's like where you get a new pair of sneakers, the bright white sneakers. They've got to get a bit scuffed. Um, you, you don't like the squeaky clean look for your new guitar. Apparently Gibson's got something. Is that right? Yeah, they've built a whole new lab for just that. Again, a bit embarrassing when you turn up and you finally got a decent gig. And it's like you're the you, new kid in school. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's oh, look right. at the guy with the new guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever played guitar before? So they've come up with this whole lab that pre-ages a guitar. They've got four stages of ageing. You can have a little bit aged right through to heavily aged. And, and what's really clever about it is they've taken a whole bunch of photos of different guitars that have been aged at certain levels to try and replicate that ageing and, and how long it's been aged for. But the sound quality is using all the modern techniques that Gibson have got at their disposal. So the sound quality is still brilliant, even though the guitar might look, you know, the fretboard might look a bit old and worn out and, and there might be belt scuff marks on the back of it where it's been rubbing on your belt on the on the, your jeans that you've been wearing while you've been blasting out some tunes. So it, it looks like it's been there forever, but the sound quality is still absolutely perfect. But Gibson, very cleverly of them, are charging a premium for this. You can be paying up to 10 grand for one of these pre-aged guitars. So even if I can't play guitar, guitar very well, at least I can look like a seasoned pro. And you look like you've been doing it forever, James. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Just as long as they don't ask me to strum anything out, yeah? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, I don't I'm like showing off, of course. Not with my broken finger, right? <laughs> I just, right. Yeah, I'm backing off. But it is incredible that we've gotten to that point where we're actually, I mean, again, you think once upon a time it would be make sure it looks brand new when it comes out of the box, but now... Make sure it looks like it's been used, it's aged. So well, there's clearly a market for it. Obviously, people are, are buying it and people are lining up for it. The, the orders across those four different age levels are about the same, but the, the oldest aging one takes a fair bit more time to get to that point. So the, the back order there is, is a bit longer. So people are ordering them and lining up for these guitars. Yeah, wow. Yeah. All right, now here's a story that's going to ruffle some feathers in a big way. Queensland drivers are a bit behind their New South Wales counterparts. We're opening the phone lines now, folks. So um, 
Matt, you're going to tell us what's New, New South Wales holding over Queensland? Oh, look, I, I wouldn't use the old joke that Queensland and Daylight Saving Time are one hour and 20 years behind New South Wales, of course, but, <laughs> but they have got a bit of a reputation for being behind. And it's, it's quite interesting. In New South Wales, some years ago, there was a trial done with a digital driver's licence, and the trial was done in certain areas. That proved quite successful. So they rolled out across the state, and most people across New South Wales now are at the point where they don't carry a driver's licence. They just have it on their phone and, and show a policeman if they're pulled over for a random breath test or whatever it might be. South Australia's been the same. They've had it for a number of years. But Queensland have come up with the idea that they should try a digital driver's licence. What? And they've run a trial. And surprisingly <laughs> enough, the trial was quite successful. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so now, it's not, not there yet, they're getting there, but now it's at the point where they're thinking about introducing legislation to make digital driver's licence available for all Queenslanders. And that's great news. Happy days for them. What is interesting here, in Australia, I've, I've often said that we're, we're probably too small a nation in terms of our population to have so many replicated bureaucracies. And this is a perfect example. I'd encourage the New South Wales government to say to the, the Queensland government, we've got the technology in place, we've got the app that works, we've got the driver's licences uploaded, everything's all there in place, we've got the back-end infrastructure. Don't need to reinvent the wheel. Exactly right. We could roll out the same infrastructure to Queensland, charge you a small premium, and you could have the same technology basically running immediately without having to go and, as you say, reinvent the whole wheel. So in Australia, I'd like to see some of those duplicated bureaucracies just basically rolled out across the entire nation. But I'm getting off the topic, James. Queenslanders will have digital driver's licence at some point in the near future. Happy days for them. Congratulations, Queensland. That's right. Getting on board there. Well, folks, you heard it here first once again. Thank you, Matt Dickerson, for another great yarn about all things tech. It's been an absolute pleasure once again. I'm James Eddy, and thanks for listening.